From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 471. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, ZocDoc, and CleanMyMacX. I'm one of your co-hosts, Federico Vitici, and it's my pleasure to introduce, coming to you directly from a beach somewhere, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. How are you? I'm relaxed. It's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. We are joined directly from a studio someplace in the London area, by Mike Hurley. Hello, governor. How's the, how's the London area treating you today? Weather's weird in London at the moment. It feels like on a daily basis, it's oscillating between shorts weather and chinos weather. Like I'm, It's very complicated for me to work out what to wear every day at the moment. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how London is treating me right now. We have some follow-up. And it's about me, so I'll go first because I like it when it's about me. Um, <laughs> I received, <laughs> I received my Nomad case, the one with the good leather that we spoke about last. Oh, the Halloween, the Halloween leather. I mean, okay, so it's good leather for sure. I mean, it's a it's a very nice leather, and uh, I love like it's got this very. I don't know how to describe it. It's very smooth, but the de- the texture is very. It feels very dense. Like the texture of the leather feels denser than the apple leather case that used to be last year. Would you call it rich Corinthian leather? Would you call it that, Stephen? I don't know. <laughs> uh, w- would you? Uh, you are the Corinthian expert, it seems. <laughs> I I would say that it's a very nice leather. Mm-hmm. Um, the case, as you as you pointed out, it does add a bit of bulk to the bottom of the phone, uh, yeah. but uh, because it it the, the bottom lip of the case sits relatively flush against the display, I have found that it doesn't bother me when I try to swipe with my thumb to like uh, open the app switcher or just exit from an app to the home screen it doesn't get in the way like you don't feel you don't feel that difference of height between the case and the display so that's good um this case has an action a proper action button that feels great to use uh the side button uh, also has this very nice sort of metallic texture on um, like pattern on top of it which looks nice in my opinion and I i guess the the one thing that I I mean honestly I don't like that it's real leather right I would have preferred fake leather but Nomad they don't make one um, and the other thing is the USB C cutout is fine I haven't run into any USB C cable uh, with an adapter that doesn't fit but some of them are a tight fit and I guess maybe I would have liked to have an, a slightly larger cutout uh, for the USB-C connector. But it's still larger, uh, this Nomad one, than the fine woven case. So it's okay. Um, the USB 4 cable that I have that I use for everything, I use for charging, I use for uh, display out with my Nintendo Switch, with my uh, ROG Ally. Like that cable fits, but it's a, it's a very tight fit. Uh, so maybe in a future revision, Nomad could consider an even bigger cutout for USB-C. But overall, this is the case that I'm using. Um, it's very nice leather. The action button works properly. And I can recommend it, even though it, it is not an affordable case. It's on the more expensive side. I've, I've been really happy with it too. And um, I have not run into the port size issue. 
but I, I I can see it. I mean, I'm looking at my case now. Like, yeah, if you have a little bit bulky of a, of a cable, but it is better than Apple's cutouts for yes. sure. Yes. And it's centered on the bottom of the phone. It what is, an idea. So uh, I don't know if you guys have been seeing this, but people have been, uh, have been now sharing photos of their off-center iPhone cases. It's just all over the place. I don't know what's going on over there. But um, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that you like the Nomad. I agree with you. It is expensive. But if you want like a nice leather case, that's uh, two out of three connected hosts recommend it. Uh, I dropped my phone. Oh, I heard. Um, a couple of nights ago, I was uh, in the bathroom. I had my phone in my hand. And I don't know how I did this, but it slipped out of my hand, hit the tile floor and kind of bounced. Mm. And it's done this thing, which is very strange, where it's kind of bent the titanium frame a little bit, like in the top corner above the camera. And it's kind of like, it's like, you know, like the curve that goes around. Mm -hmm. It's almost like flattened it out. There's a little, it's hard for me to explain, but there's, I've, I've, I've made a small dent and uh, there's now a part of my iPhone next to one of the antenna lines. It's just a little bit sharp if you, uh, if you run your finger across it. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. Well, no, I don't care uh, because it hasn't affected my phone's usability in any way. And I dropped my phone really badly on tile and it's, the screen's fine. Yeah. So. The cameras are fine. That's all I care about. I expect these things to get dinged up. If I didn't want them to get dinged up, I'd put them in a case, you know? Mm -hmm. But very happy with the durability of the iPhone. Good. Because it didn't smash into a billion pieces, which it should have. Because it didn't just drop down. It went forward. It, like, bounced, you know? Like, that, its thing went for it. And it's fine. But I dropped it. I just thought you should know that because I wouldn't keep it from you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, who would keep secrets from their co-hosts? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I would never do that. No, me neither. Uh, that's not true, Federico. <laughs> you very frequently start topics with, I have a surprise or I have a secret. This is like... Ah, that's in service of the content. You know, it's a right. good surprise. Yeah. Hmm. Good surprise. Well, I guess they're... Yeah, okay. They're not necessarily good surprises when they begin, but usually by the end they are, you know? Sometimes they're like scary. You don't know what's going to happen. Last week, we joked on the show that some people would want a transcript of the podcast-a-thon. And after the recording was done, I loaded up Mac Whisper and put it on maximum and fed it and fed it the 12-hour audio file. It took my M2 Pro, MacBook Pro, I think four and a half hours to do it. And it's the loudest I've ever heard an Apple Silicon computer. It was very unhappy. But it has generated a 105,000-word transcript. And you can open it. I saved it as a plain text file. This, this link is upsetting to my eyes. Like, yeah. when I open it, something goes wrong in my eyes. Yeah, because it's, it's, just a, it's literally a wall of text, you know? I didn't know this was a thing that, that could be done on the internet. Like, I don't understand <laughs> how this is, like... I don't understand this. Like, this is me not understanding how websites are made. Like... I don't know how this is on a link. I don't know like how it gets there. Like I don't get it's it. It's just a text file sitting sitting on my server. So no, but why why doesn't it download a file? Why do I just see the text? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, oh, you don't know either. <laughs> I'm like, very confused about this. I'm worried this is going to break your website. It is an amazing text document. I will say, if you download it, BB Edit's the only thing that can open it without really struggling. 
like I opened it in Byword and the, the poor thing can't scroll. Like it's just beach balling. But this is a wild document and you should just go search for random things because it's Hang a lot on. Of fun. I'm gonna pick out a random sentence and just read it. Okay. Oh yeah, no. It looked like it had an end at the end. Nope, that didn't work. Hi, can you hear me? Do you understand? <laughs> Laughing. Of the way. Where was it? What a beautiful day. Oh yeah, no. It looked like it had an end at the end. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> what a beautiful stand. Laughing. Don't you? Don't go understand. Don't go under sand. <laughs> I don't want to go under the sand, Jason. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> okay. Woo, good spin. Will spinning. Lip reading. All right, let's go. All right, okay. I'm just sitting here. Other people can sit. Mike, choose your partner. Jason, all right. You're too tired to move. I'll just let you know. <laughs> I'm impre- I'm actually impressed. This is incredible. I'm actually impressed by by the transcript picking up the sound effects, like laughing. Yeah, like it knows what a wheel spin is. That's really weird, right? Yeah. Cheering, yelling, ball bouncing. Upbeat music. Yeah. Later on, it has race car engine revving. Triumphant music. Triumphant music. I just saw that. Oval with claws. Hey, that's what lobsters are. That's it. <laughs> Man, this is this is a ta- this is a real thing in here. The Calax. Twenty five points to the winner. <sighs> Incredible. Fundraising is fun. Fundraising is fun. <laughs> it just is over and over again. Fundraising is fun. Laughing. Feel crazy is fun. <laughs> wow. This is, this is, man, the AI is coming for us. It, it really is. So you can go check out the transcript. Uh, we do want to thank everyone who donated and was involved with the St. Jude fundraiser. The final number, if you didn't see it on Mastodon uh, or Discord or somewhere, $775,000 which is just a, an incredible amount of money. That's basically 70 grand more than last year. None of us expected to to be able to top the previous year and to do so by so much money. It's it's incredible. Uh the, the community really stepped up. It puts our lifetime total since 2019 at 2.98 million. Uh, I've already been rounding up to quote nearly three million dollars <laughs> over five years. Yeah, it's giving us a real good tee off for next year. You know, mm-hmm. like we'll we'll hit the three million in like the first week or something, which would be nice. Yeah. So so thank you all. Uh, this is obviously something that takes uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot out of us. Like I, I know. All of us involved, basically. I mean, look, I'm at the beach for a reason after this finished, right? Yeah, and I, and I'm not here next week. <laughs> yeah, and you're out it's next like, week. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's a it's a tough tough thing, but it's worth it. It's every it's worth. Yeah, it. so it, it means it means the world to us. And um, thank you, just thank you. Now we've got some uh, some follow up and some some uh, some listener questions and feedback. Mike, do you want to take this first one? Yeah, Rafi says, uh, it's interesting to see that longtime Mac users like Steven and Jason don't see the benefit of Mac widgets unless longtime Mac users like Mike and Federico do. Maybe it's related to old habits. I'm a Mac user since 1991, and when multiple desktops were introduced, I enjoy having... Uh, and when multiple desktops were introduced, I enjoyed having all of my important apps open all of the time in many different spaces. I added widgets to my Mac, but they're all hidden behind open windows. I would prefer if widgets were anchored to a specific desktop. Now, here's one. I have two points in this question. Like, I think there is, I think there is something at play here. But I just want to say, for the record, I don't understand why Stephen is considered this longtime Mac user. <laughs> I think me and Stephen have been using Macs for about the same amount of time, and I think Federico as well. 
You know why Steven is considered, uh, you know, because he's an old, old soul. Old soul, yeah, yeah. Just because he has really old computers, like he hasn't been using them for forty no, years. L- you no, know let's I mean? let's put our cards on the table. I think it, when did you start okay. using the Mac on a regular basis? Um, probably when I was no, I know when it was when I was eighteen years old. What 2006, year? Two thousand six. Two thousand six, Mike. So yeah, Mike, you are my age. Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah, okay. So I've got about five or six years on you. And I started in 2008. All right, so. but, but that doesn't make you, a, like, comparatively, I think, that different. No, I'm closer to you than I am to Jason. Yeah. For sure. But if you combine those five years with the fact that he's an old soul, like, it exponentially grows? No, I, I mean, I agree that J- that Stephen and Jason are in the same bucket. I just wanted to be, like... I feel like my my like credentials are being like questioned here. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I've been using the Mac consistently every. D- well, here's the thing: that was when I had my first Mac. I'd been using Macs in school, too. Yeah, but I didn't own one. Like my first Mac was when I was eighteen. So anyway, uh, the thing is, I I think there's a different mindset at play here. Like I think me and Federico have been iPad pilled or something, uh, probably. And so like desktop clutter is just not a thing that we want. Like not too oh, many yeah. open windows, not loads of overlapping windows. I think that's what it is. I don't think that this is a like l- legacy Mac thing as to why or why not you might want to use widgets on the desktop or why you might like them. And I don't I don't want to speak for Jason, but for me, it's not that I don't see the value in the widgets. I think they're in the wrong place. I think having them on the desktop is the wrong solution. That's all. Bring back some sort of dashboard they could live on or something. Can't someone just make this? I don't know. I, I, I know. So on, on Sunday's episode of MPU, uh, John Syracuse is our guest. We recorded it yesterday, and we talked for a long time with that episode about, you know, he has front and center and... He basically said, like, window management stuff on the Mac is extremely difficult to write. And so it may not be that a developer has any visibility into, like, where these widgets are to be able to manipulate where they live. Uh, So I don't know. I could. I would be surprised if someone could could write, like, some sort of shim that made it more dashboard-like. I would love it. And if it's out there, let me know. But I would be surprised. Like I could imagine in a couple of years, macOS Skyline is released and uh, they, they <laughs> say like, everybody loves widgets on the desktop and now we're going to bring them right in front of your eyes. You just press this new key on the keyboard or whatever, mm. you know, and like you will be able to see the skyline of your widgets. Here we go. And off they That's go. That's a good throwback. So Jeffrey Rain asking, shortcuts triggered with the action button whilst on the lock screen that require any type of user input or a time delay are borderline useless as the screen shuts off dims if you are on an always-on display after a few seconds and cancels the shortcut altogether. I'd love to know if Federico has a workaround for keeping the lock screen on or is he solely using the action button and shortcuts only when the phone is unlocked? Uh, the second one, Jeffrey, uh, because there's there's basically no way to know if a shortcut is running in the context of the lock screen. This is one of the biggest limitations of shortcuts for power users right now. Shortcuts doesn't have any idea of, or rather it does, but very little, like which context am I running in? Like, am I a shortcut right now that's running on the home screen? Am I running on the lock screen? Am I running from notification center? Am I running from the share sheet? Like, 
you can all you can do is basically just say, am I running on an iPhone, iPad, or Mac, or watch? Like, that's all you can do. All these additional, like, uh, areas of the operating systems are basically unknown to shortcuts. There are some third-party workarounds to do this, right? But even if you try the popular and free-to-download Actions app, um, it does have a uh, an action uh, that I believe is called Is uh, iPhone Locked? But that only tells you if the iPhone is actually locked. So if you pick up, and I tested this a few days ago, if you pick up your phone and assuming it's got Face ID, you look at it and you tap on a shortcut that has one of these actions to tell you if the uh, phone is on the lock screen. It's just going to tell you the phone is unlocked. And that's no different from running that action on the home screen. It's always going to tell you the phone is unlocked. There's no native way to say, okay, this shortcut, like when I tap this shortcut, is it running inside the shortcuts app, in the lock screen, is it on the home screen? I would love to have these features in shortcuts because that would allow for much greater flexibility. Like for example, I would design one of my, uh, all of my shortcuts uh, to be simpler if you're using them from the lock screen. Because if you're using them from the lock screen, I'm assuming you want to have quicker interactions, right? I would do that, but I cannot. Because there's no way to know if a shortcut is running on the lock screen. And so, Jeffrey, uh, essentially, I do most of my action button shortcuts usage from the home screen or if I'm using, uh, if I'm actually using my phone anyway. Yeah, this was a frustration or like a limitation I found out pretty early on because, you know, my action button usage is typing tasks in, right? And I would type like half of a word and then it would just cancel. I don't yeah. know why they have this limitation in place that like if the phone is locked, it will, everything will work as long as you're fast enough. Like I'm not really, this feels like a like a like an unintended thing because I can't work out what the usage, use case of that is of like, Oh, you gotta be fast and then you can do everything. Like it just is weird. Like so if I have to type something, then it will start taking the first few letters and then just cuts off. And so it feels to me like this is something that could and should be fixed, but I would be surprised if it was considered to be like um uh high uh importance of like of any high importance, but we'll see. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand or growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, even the content you're creating. Squarespace has everything you need all in one place. Squarespace's store product is really awesome because you can sell physical and digital products side-by-side, and they have all the tools you need to start selling, including a bunch of really flexible payment options. You can make checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment tools, accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, and offer customers the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay or ClearPay. And you can organize all of your content in the new asset library. So say that you do set up a store and you have a lot of photos of all your products. That can get kind of unwieldy over time, but with the Asset Library and Squarespace, you can upload, organize, and access all of your content from one place. 
No more scrambling to find the right content. You can manage all your files from one central hub and use them across the Squarespace platform. I love building on top of Squarespace because all of these tools are built in. You're not having to string stuff together from different sources and you can build and grow your website as your company or your product or your project grows. So maybe you don't need a store on day one, or maybe you're not doing a newsletter on day one, but down the road, you want to add it. Well, Squarespace, you're not having to rebuild your entire site to do that. You can just enable those features, integrate them right in, and it can grow as your needs change over time. So check out squarespace.com connected for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com connected and use the code connected to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected when you decide to sign up to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Connected and Relay FM. Last week, we were talking about the fact that Federico was basically unable to use the, the like natural language text entry in Reminders. And I said it was working fine for me. Well, Gaz wrote in to say, <laughs> there's a Reminders bug on the UK English keyboard like and devices that does not allow you to set a due date for the upcoming Sunday. No matter what you type, it always suggests the next Sunday. This has been going on since iOS 15. What? And it's maddening. And I tried this. Like if I, on my keyboard, try and do anything where I'm saying like this Sunday or uh, Sunday, it always goes to the following Sunday. So like today is the 11th. And no matter what I do, it wants to put the task in as October 22nd, not October 15th. That is wild. What are they doing? And like, I just got to ask like, what is happening? Like, yeah. Okay. So uh, sometimes, sometimes I I ask myself this question, right? And I know that the answer is complex, but still, the answer is complex if you work at Apple. But you gotta. I, th- I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you work at Apple and you're listening to this segment, try and put yourself in the shoes of people from the outside. We look at this, and our and our natural reaction is, and I don't blame ourselves for having this reaction. Does anyone at Apple even test this? That's how I feel. That's how I feel with this specific thing. Like, because how, if this is a feature <laughs> that you have, d- does nobody ever do anything on Sundays? Like, what is happening? <laughs> I, I guess maybe they have a really healthy work-life balance. Oh. No, but like, it isn't work though, right? Like, Sundays is when I'm like, you know, remember to buy this thing from the grocery store. Like, that's all going in reminders, you know? I don't know, uh, but yeah, this adds to the issues that I covered last week, and uh, those issues I have continued in beta 2 of 17.1, beta 3, uh, which came out yesterday, and mm-hmm. I guess we're talk- going to talk about shortly. Uh, the bug is still there. Um, sometimes when I type in a natural language date, it just randomly assigns another date. And because of these problems, I mean, I, I had to be realistic as much as I love reminders. Uh, and all the new features and-, and the UI changes in 17, I, for now, for now, I had to move back to things as my task manager, because at the very least, like, it lets me add proper dates and reminders. To stuff, because the like the one of the reasons that I think this is so uh, like complicated or is such like a of a detriment to reminders is adding a date and time to a reminder is 
overly cumbersome. Yes. It takes way too many taps. Why do I have to hit a toggle switch first? What is that? Like, what is going on? And so, like, but this isn't an issue if you have good natural language input, which I think every to-do app should have good natural language input. And, like, to me, that is, like, pure table stakes of what it is to be, I think, an app that requires any kind of text entry like this, like your calendar apps, uh, to-do apps, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. If it just doesn't work, that is wild. There are a couple of third-party apps, uh, InstaRemind on the Mac and Remind Me Faster on iOS, that basically are a natural language process layer on top of Reminders. But I agree with you. It's it's too fiddly, especially on on the Mac. And there's there's things on the Mac you can't do on iPhone and iPad easily. It's so close to being good. And I mean, I used Reminders all summer, and I'm back on Todoist because my spouse <laughs> does not like Reminders at all, and we have a couple of shared lists, and so and I'm fine being a Todoist. But it is it is frustrating because Remind it's like it's right there on the edge, but it feels like a lot of the clicking around and toggles and check boxes you need. It just feels like it wasn't designed in 2023. It's like they're, they're bringing forward this old design year after year. And I wish they would take some time and, and really look and see where the market is and, and try to try to help move things along because it is, it is really clunky in a lot of areas. Yeah, I'm I'm still going to use it for what I wanted to use it for, which is like for a better way to manage house projects with a shared list and not be in my typical to-do app. I, d- I don't want to cross the streams. And it's going to be fine for that, but this is not a tool that I would want to rely on for work if I can't easily or even accurately enter uh, due dates. Like, I would never trust that it, the due date was correct, and I'd have to check it every time. Like, and that would be too annoying to me to, to do. Because then it makes, you, it makes you think about it, and you're not supposed to think about it. That, right? that, and, the whole point of these tools is that, you, that they become uh, a way for you to, to reduce the noise in your mind. And if every time I'm adding a task, I'm unsure of whether the task got added to the right place like, or the right day, that, that, would, that would just be too stressful for me, really. Just a shame. This is the podcast where we have, over time, uh, asked the question, hey, Spotify, where's that lossless audio <laughs> you <laughs> promised? Yes. Spotify Hi-Fi? Well, boys, let me tell you about what I think is incredibly named Spotify Supremium. Mm. <laughs> I love this product name. Supremium. Passionately. <laughs> like, this is genius. Someone deserves a raise for this. I think whoever came up with this name, they deserve to get one year of all of the increased fees. (laughs) They just, it's good. It's so good. It's like, is it super? Is it supreme? Is it premium? It's all of them. Exactly. Well, it's like, this, what do you, how do you go higher than premium, right? Supremium. Incredible. Yeah. I wished that I had a member's show to call Supremium. You know what I mean? Like how we did like plus and stuff like that. But like we just don't. I don't know if we have any that could fit. But who knows? Maybe it's going to be connected to premium. Anyway, so Spotify Supremium will have lossless audio, okay. audio books. So an amount of audio books. Premium okay. gets this. I don't know if it'll be the same amount or more. This, this hasn't actually been officially announced yet. I don't think. Um, AI playlist generation. I don't really know what that means. And uh, some playlist mixing tools to adjust songs for like temp- for tempo, mood, that kind of stuff. 
The last one I don't like. I don't like the sound of... of uh, they're going to basically... Ma- uh, although I guess there are... Federico, this is like Beats Music or something, this feels to me. Like, no, I want no, no, a no. playlist of the... Da, 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 yeah, da, da. that's the third one. That's the third one. The fourth the AI one... The playlist generation? The third mm. one is, is Beats Music. Like, give me yep. a playlist. Of, like, the fourth one, playlist mixing tools to adjust songs for tempo. Like, does it mean that it's like... Is it is it gonna change the pitch and tempo of songs? No, I don't think that. I, I just think it's like I it 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 is creating a playlist with songs of a similar tempo. That's how oh, I okay. Read in it. that in that case it's awesome. Okay. I yeah, can't I imagine thought, they're gonna adjust music. I mean, no, because there's, who knows, a, there's <laughs> a whole there's a whole culture of of people listening to remixed like have you ever heard of like nightcore versions of songs? No. Um yeah, it's like a whole thing of like, especially uh, young younger folks listening to like slightly different versions of songs that are sometimes more electronic and it's like they, they spend mm. hours on YouTube streaming them. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was that, but it makes more sense to... Uh, that it's like it's just like yeah we're gonna put together a playlist for songs that have the same mood or tempo that makes but more sense. This package it will cost twenty dollars a month, which is ah, but it's so premium. Very expensive for a streaming ser- for a music streaming service. I think that's twice the price of premium. It is, yeah. That's quite pricey. I do want to to, to touch on the audiobook thing just for a second. They did announce that premium members. We get 15 hours of audiobooks a month, which just seems like a weird way to measure audio. And I'm not an audiobook person, so maybe this is how everybody does it. But what if you're listening to a 16-hour book and you get to the end, it's like, oh, I have an hour left and you're, you're, you're cut off. Well, then you pay them. Then I, I guess so. And their CEO has this quote, uh, The Verge has it, I believe this will bring a whole new generation of listeners to audiobooks. Now, take this with a grain of salt that we own a podcast company. Spotify did not do well in podcasts. I mean, they have now a, a growing base, but in terms of purchasing podcasts and content, they, I, I think, blew that pretty badly. I'm just very curious to see this. Like, I can't imagine they're going to get into audiobook creation. I think they're. I think they've learned their lesson probably about, hey, we we're a streaming service, we're not a content platform. But it also feels a little bit like. They're still trying to get spoken word into Spotify. They want to be the app that all of your audio is in. And while that sounds pretty nuts to a lot of us who want podcasting-specific features that Spotify doesn't have, or we just want our music and podcasts separate, there are a lot of people who do like having podcasts in Spotify. We've seen in our own Mm -hmm. numbers Spotify listenership growing over time. And so then moving into audiobooks, at least in this new way, I think it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on because Audible, which is owned by Amazon, at least in the U.S., is basically the platform. And can Spotify take some of that? Like they've taken some podcasting away from Apple. I'm just fascinated by this move, and I'm going to be watching it very keenly to see how this goes for them over the next couple of years. I think it will work fine because people get it as part of their plan, right? So like you might be... I I think it was I think it was Ben Thompson who was talking about this and he said like you know imagine you're listening to a podcast and as an author and then Spotify can just give you the book right like mm-hmm. go listen to the book like that's quite a compelling 
thing, I think. Like, you know, I'm sure there's many ways that that could could expose itself. That was kind of interesting to me. But I agree, it is funny that it's like this 15-hour thing, like, and then you have to do something about it. But, like, Audible is also weird, right? Like, Audible, you pay them monthly and you get credits that you can spend on books. Like, there's... There's all this just like strange ways in which audiobook stuff works, which I'm sure is all related to some kind of publishing agreement thing. But yeah, this is part of their overall package for Supremium, which, Supremium. you know, obviously they have spent this whole time trying to work out how to make, how to, to make lossless audio available in a way that competes with free. Like when Spotify announced Hi-Fi, Apple hadn't announced lossless music uh, audio for Apple Music, and Apple doesn't charge more for it. It's just built in. Exactly, it's just built in. So now, if they're going to do it, they can't just be like, "Hey, here's this, and it's twenty dollars a month." Like they have to make a package. I would say, as a package, without all of the details, like we don't know if you get, and I expect you do get more audiobook hours or something. Um, it's a pretty decent package for like a Spotify super user, but. I think that is quite an expensive price for a service like this. Mm-hmm. But hey, maybe it will work. I dropped a link in Discord to the Nightcore version of Titanium. Mike, you're gonna, love, you. you're gonna love. You're you. gonna love this version <laughs> of the song. Uh, that's essentially the, the, what you can expect from Nightcore covers on YouTube. This is faster. It's faster and the pitch is higher. Uh, yeah. This sounds like all of the songs that I've ever heard in an Instagram reel that I didn't want to watch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked in Connected Pro about wireless CarPlay a little bit more, but my phone is named ISMH Titanium with the I and the A, like Titanium. So a bunch of I's and A's. Mm-hmm. And the truck shows like, oh, connecting to, and then the phone name. And uh, so I had to explain that to a family member the other day. Like, <laughs> why is your phone called the that? Un- the way to explain it is you just go, hey, Siri, play Titanium by David Guetta. You know? It's true. I should, ha- I should have an automation that when my phone connects to CarPlay, it plays that song. Mike, there was a report out about the refresh rate of the Vision Pro headset, and it seems like it could be good news for you living in the UK. Could you explain this to us? Yeah, so previously Apple had spoken about the fact that the headset would max out at 90 hertz. Like, that's what they were... uh, It's like 90 frames per second, basically. That's what they were suggesting developers target. Um, But I'll read from... This is from Mac Rumors. Uh, This post was written by Julie Clover. And the the quote is, Code found by M1 Astra confirms that the maximum Vision Pro refresh rate is 100 hertz. But 100 hertz is a mode that only activates to compensate for detected 50 hertz flicker from artificial lighting. Thank you, Apple. This is my concern because like... Sometimes when I use uh, like a the MetaQuest Pro, which by the way, don't I feel great about buying that? There was a very long shelf life for that product. Yeah, definitely the, not the three kills it right. <laughs> uh, killed by anything else. Yeah, uh, it, it effectively has one difference over the three, which is the eye tracking, which I do actually think is really important for for like meat and stuff. But yeah, oh boy. Anyway, 
but sometimes I would get like the flickering from the overhead lighting that I have. Please stop writing into me to tell me that I shouldn't have it. I don't like it either, but the room is very big and leave me alone forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I would sometimes the lighting would flicker um, and this is an issue I've had with other Apple products like my studio display has had this issue for a while um, where I would be on a call with someone and the camera would just be freaking out because it's mm. affected by the overhead lighting, the fi- which is 50 hertz here, not 60 hertz. It's just the way lighting is. Um, and I was worried that the Vision Pro would have this problem. So I am really, really happy to hear that they have considered this and considered it specifically for this use case because my concern was that I would turn it on and it would be like some kind of rave in my eyes, which would not have been a good experience. So I'm very enthused about this. How's your studio display camera doing? So uh, it's been on and off, which is the most frustrating thing. For a while, I couldn't use it at all because every time I turn it on, it would be just flickering and like tripping out. Then it was okay. Then something, one of the macOS settings things fixed it. Then it stopped working again. Or now it's like intermittent. Sometimes I would turn the camera on and it would and it would adjust to the lighting. Sometimes it wouldn't. I have actually found an app, a Mac app called Webcam Settings. Oh, This okay. app lets me change the refresh rate of the camera from 60 to 50. What, an app lets you do it? Yes. I don't know how. An app who quotes 2012 episodes of podcasts as reviews. Well, also, I mean, take a look at the... the, the this was last updated three years ago. Uh-huh. Firewire cameras not supported. That's a bummer. The, uh, if you are using an external webcam, you get tons of settings with this app, right? Like you can change brightness, contrast, hue, sharpness, gamma, zoom, pan, tilt, loads of stuff. All of that doesn't work with the studio display, but changing the refresh rate from 60 to 50 does work. And so okay. now I have every time I have this app open on my Mac, it fixes the problem. I hope that the Vision Pro team can send a note to the studio display team and we can just have this taken care of for good. So we spoke last, uh, last week about the uh, the work that I'm doing on version 2 of multi-button, which is going well. Uh, and one of the things I'm doing is um, adding support for sort of contextual actions inside the app you're currently using. And I urge the developers to come up with ideas for shortcuts that perform something specific while you are using the app. Um, the As soon as like we recorded this on Wednesday and the highlight folks had already come out with um, new actions for the action button that do exactly what I meant. So in the latest version of Highlight, um, you can install this shortcut that unless you use multi-button, of course, this will take over uh, all the other shortcuts you may have configured with the action button. But with this shortcut, um, when you press it and you're using Highlight, uh, inside the app, you will trigger different features. You will be able to switch between lenses to control your exposure mode, your focus mode, your resolution, the capture mode of the app. And I think this is a very clever idea to add a physical contextual control to the app that you're currently using. These are all, like, these actions are all based on the latest shortcuts technology, the app intents that any developer can use. And uh, it's just a great example of 
tying a physical control to something contextual to the app that you're using at the moment. And it's exactly what I meant last week. Uh, so far, I have two examples of apps that, that have this sort of support in shortcuts for performing something based on what you are doing inside the app. Uh, Highlight is one, and the other, as I mentioned last week, is Things, which I have been using with my action button. So it's very nice when I, when I am in, th- in Things. Um, instead of having to use the Things UI for scheduling tasks, like adding a date or adding a time, all I need to do is select an item, select a task, press the action button, and the shortcuts date picker comes up, which is much faster than the things date picker. And I can just schedule a shortcut from there just by pressing the action button. And that's what I hope more developers will implement with shortcuts. Like, come up with actions that do something based on selection, based on what you're doing in the app. I don't know, take a look at what Things is doing, what Highlight is doing. I truly believe this is the way to go in the future. This is very cool, very interesting. I would love to know, like, after a while, I'd love to see if other apps do it, and I would love to know if people are using it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's an interesting idea, um, and it's it's also like a thing that... it's one of those things I don't understand how it works, like technically. Like I, I know, but I also don't know. You know what I mean? Like why doesn't it just keep opening the app over and over and over again? Because know. you are, because the app is open. But like, yeah, I, I just don't. How do they trick the system? No, it's not a trick. See, that's the thing. It's, it's not a trick. It's, and, and I think a lot of people were, when they saw this were like, oh, good luck getting approved. Like, no, this is just using the native intense framework. And mm. the intense framework is telling uh, app perform this. And if the app is in the foreground, that action is going to get performed in front of you. And, yeah. but there's nothing like, it's not a workaround. It's not like a private API, which I've seen people suggest. No, it's not. It's just okay. typically you're used to using shortcuts actions while you're doing something else. Like yep. you are on the home screen, you are in, in, a, in a widget or something. Here, it's doing the same thing, but in front of your eyes. Yeah, I think the bit where it just it trips me up is like the first thing, the first time you press the button, it doesn't open the app and perform the action, does it? It just opens the app. But then, when you press it a second time, it perf- like when the app is open, it then performs the chosen action. Yes, like that's the thing that that I can't get my head around, like how that is happening. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Zocdoc. Have you ever been on the look for a new doctor, and you ask a bunch of people for their recommendations? You want to find a doctor who gets you, listens to you, and makes you feel comfortable. Finally, after weeks of searching, you find the one. They meet all your requirements, so you call their office and they even have an appointment available. And then you find out they don't take your insurance. Well, don't worry. Head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your coverage. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. These doctors all have verified reviews from actual, real human patients, not bots. The average wait time to see a doctor booked with ZocDoc is between 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even get same-day appointments. Once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately with just a few taps, so no more awkwardly waiting on hold with a receptionist. 
I think ZocDoc is an amazing product. Whether you've moved, have something new going on, or just looking for a change, it's a great way to find a new doctor. You can do it by heading over to ZocDoc.com connected to download their app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com connected. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the show and Relay FM. It's spooky season around here, and so I bring two mysteries to the show today. <laughs> uh, mystery number one. Oh, no. What's going on with Find My Alerts? I keep... My Find My Alerts are going wild right now. Everywhere I go, I'm forgetting things. But do you know what? I'm not. They're in my pocket. Yeah. Or they're in my bag. They are going yeah. off left, right, and center. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about this in our Discord, too. My favorite one yesterday, where I was listening to a podcast on my AirPods, and my watch told me, where are your AirPods? It's like, yeah. <laughs> they're in my ears. <laughs> That's where they are. It's very strange. Yep. I have the same problem. Uh, so it's almost like my AirPods are having an identity crisis or something. Like they, yeah. they say, I'm lost. No, you're not. Like, no. I don't know my purpose. <laughs> no, you are in my pocket. Everything's good. You're in my pocket. I am lightning. My... Where's I don't have USB-C? What's oh, by going the way. On? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, by the way, I got the USB-C AirPods. I forgot, okay. to men- I forgot to tell you guys. I just figured, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to want them when the Vision Pro is out. Might as well Do you know what? I didn't get them yet. I I might do them for the Vision Pro. Well, I will do them for the Vision Pro. The reason I didn't get them yet, I never plug my... Well, I very, very rarely plug my AirPods in. I'd put them on a MagSafe charger. That's how I charge them. That happened to me one night, like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, see, now I cannot plug them in anymore because I removed all the lightning cable from the house and... So yeah, that's why I got them. But yes, these alerts... I guess my, my issue there is traveling because at the moment... And I don't, I don't plan on a MagSafe traveling setup. I'm, it's just because it's just going to take too much aggravation. I might do it later, but I'm not planning on it. So I'm going to have to keep carrying a lightning cable for when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll ask actually connected listeners, if you have good MagSafe charging traveling options, go to uh, connectedfeedback.com and leave me uh, some suggestions and maybe we could talk about them in, in but, a future but, but please mention, they got to be MagSafe because otherwise people are just going to send you a bunch of Qi chargers. They're like MagSafe compatible. Well, yeah, no, I don't do, want you want, do you want MagSafe compatible or do you want proper MagSafe? Like official MagSafe. Doesn't need to be official MagSafe, but MagSafe compatible. So like it's gotten the blessing. I would like the blessing. Now you're going to get a lot of recommendations. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay though, right? Because like uh, what I want is MagSafe compatible, right? Like that's good. Like that, is that what I'm saying? Like, I want the one where they're getting the full speed charging. Yeah, then you, no, then you want MagSafe. Okay. Uh, because yeah. sometimes they're not MagSafe pucks is what I mean, right? They're like, other I mean people. the the anchor the anchor cube doesn't have a MagSafe puck like the Apple one, but it's MagSafe certified. Yeah, I want the full MagSafe certification. That's what I want. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, because that also that also lets you use the standby. Exactly. Remember my charger feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want all that, even if it's just like you have a thing and you've put two MagSafe pucks in it or whatever. Like, but it's like a thing that you like. You can send me that too, even if I have to supply my own. Uh, okay. MagSafe charges. Right. Second mystery. Okay. So I saw this on 9to5Mac, and then I've been seeing every single day for the last three days. <laughs> every single day for the last three days, I have been seeing people post in the RelayFM members' Discord 
that their iPhones are turning off overnight. And the way that they know this is they try and unlock their phone in the morning and it wants the passcode. Then you go to the battery section of your iPhone and there is a gap in the charging. Oh. So what it looks like, I mean, like, I, don't, I don't think anybody knows. Like Zach Hall wrote about this in 9to5Mac. I don't think people know that the iPhone has actually turned off, but these are the two things that are happening. And every day in our Discord, for the last three days, people have been posting this. This is also, as you can imagine, a big post about this on Reddit, where it's like something's going on with the phones and they're either turning off, they're rebooting, or they're doing some kind of weird, like, don't ask us about charging kind of thing. So there's two mysteries going on right now, boys. I think there's ghosts in the iOS. Mm. It's uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Cook visiting you at night, just randomly shutting off your phone. Uh, you know, it's just like, let me, let me turn this off. Um, and you wake up and you got to put in a passcode. Uh, mm-hmm. This is weird. I assume it's some kind of bug. The, the phone is not supposed to reboot on its own. So Mm-mm. I'm sure this is a random bug that will get fixed uh, at some point. Interesting mystery, though. Hmm. Two mysteries, you know, spooky season. You got to have your mysteries in spooky season. 17.1 beta 3 is that? We're on weekly betas right now, right? Like they're, they're going weekly, bananas over weekly there. Weekly releases, yes. Uh, yeah. There's been a bunch of changes. The action button now detects if it's in your pocket and therefore will take longer to activate when you're pressing if you don't take it out of your pocket. So okay. we'll reduce accidental touches. Uh, I say if they're in there and they're fiddling about with the action button, give us a double tap. Yeah, now yeah. do that. Like now exactly. Do like you're already adding like conditions to the yeah. action button. Like, oh, so but if it's in your pocket, it takes on yes. Okay. This is the right direction. Now do more activation triggers or whatever. Yes. Uh, Federico, they fixed your shortcuts issue that you were having, right? What what was the problem and how have they fixed it? If you recall in my review there was a screenshot um of the shortcuts library comparing ios 16 to 17 and the caption of the of the image was look how they massacred my boy mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was a screenshot <laughs> he likes that one <laughs> <laughs> basically 17 shipped with the the main library view of the shortcuts app if you have folders in shortcuts, it only showed you like the top four or top five shortcuts for each folder. And then there was an arrow icon that you needed to press if you wanted to dig into a folder and see all the shortcuts in a folder. That didn't make any sense because like if I'm in the all shortcuts view, as it's the name of that tab, show me, well, all my shortcuts instead of a, a subset of them. Uh, this has been fixed uh, I heard from from a couple of people that <laughs> that that was an accidental thing that shipped and <laughs> oh I, no I, I, I well I I'm not sure I buy it I under like th- there are accidents and then there are accidents where you specifically design an icon that performs an action <laughs> in the as was an arrow button that lets you expand a thing like sure that was an accident accidents like, did hey. all this work <laughs> <laughs> whoops i slipped and fell on the keyboard <laughs> you know you know i could pour myself a glass of wine and drink and then be like oh that was an accident i i drank a glass of wine as i was recording a podcast which is an accident that happened occasionally on this program uh so you just but yeah. slipped and fell onto your microphone look it just happened 
been all right. Uh, just to some real time follow up. Uh, thanks to Professor E. Gad, referencing knowledge. Uh, I have ordered the Mophie three in one travel charger with MagSafe. This thing looks awesome. That was but fast. I don't know if it's going to fit into my uh, uh, the uh, tr- like dongle pouch that I use. If it doesn't, then I have to try something else. But this is really nice. It just folds up into a little thing, and it's got a space for all three devices. I'm a bit. I like it. This looks real good, and it's on the official Apple Store. So. There's a new tap back menu on iPad, and I can tell you, macOS Sonoma, if you perform a two-finger click on messages, you get this new... You know how iPadOS has a slightly different look for context menu, whether you perform a two-finger click from the trackpad versus a long press with your finger on screen? Those, Like, for example, the copy... Have you ever noticed how the copy and paste menu on iPadOS looks different if you're bringing it up with your finger or from the trackpad. Uh, that's something that Apple started doing last year to sort of have slightly different UIs, whether you are invoking the menu via touch or via pointer. And this is another of those sort of slightly customized context menus. Now, when you two-finger click with your trackpad on a message in the Messages app, you get a new tap-back menu that is optimized for the pointer. It comes up immediately, and it also works on the Mac. And uh, still no stickers, still no custom tap-back reactions here, uh, but they're obviously preparing for that, I assume, in 17.2. So yeah, this is a very nice change. We don't really have time to explore this today, but it's ridiculous to me that the forward action is still under more, and it's the only thing under more. Why is it in there? Put, make it a top-level thing. And who's forwarding an iMessage? This is not an email. Why is it even there? Just get rid of it. Ah, so don't you ever forward things on WhatsApp? I do it all the time. Yeah, but that's how you end up with misinformation. You know what I mean? No, what, WhatsApp no, forwarding but... is, is like part of the downfall of civilization. Well, tell it to my mom. You know, when, when <laughs> they tell it to my mom, I get all these stupid memes from her all the time, you know? Get oh, rid I of forwarding. It. No one should forward messages. What, what should happen is when someone forwards a message, it just gets deleted. Like, no one will ever know. Just like, just gone forever. Uh, you'll also remember I said that Apple was adding uh, for the UK via the open banking thing to show. Uh, bank account balances in the wallet app mm-hmm. well they've done this for discover card in the u.s it's <laughs> just the one just the one um, right. maybe you know maybe you'll move into the future and get better banking options i don't know this episode of connected is made possible by clean my mac x junk files hung processes and malicious apps can slow down even the latest most powerful macs maintaining your apple machine whether old or new is essential for smooth mac os performance Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one Mac maintenance tool that takes care of old junk, faulty apps, and malware in an efficient, aesthetically pleasing, and hassle-free way. Using the app's menu, you can monitor your Mac's health, CPU load, and more. With nearly 30 million downloads and 15 years of expertise, this app is a must-try for any Mac user. Run Clean My Mac X to gear up your Mac for the groundbreaking additions in macOS Sonoma. As Apple continues to pack Macs with innovative features, Clean My Mac X ensures that your hardware remains healthy and running at peak performance so you can enjoy a seamless macOS experience. What I love about Clean My Mac X is it puts all these tools in one application that's easy to use. Look, a lot of Mac utilities, they're not, they're not super well designed. They can be confusing. They can be hard to understand what's going on, hard to use. 
and the folks at CleanMyMacX work hard to make sure that is not the case with their tools. All connected listeners will get 5% off by checking out the link in the show notes at macpaw.app slash connected. That's macpaw.app slash connected or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. I am in the metaverse. Well, not right now. I am not in the metaverse now. But yes, I wanted to talk briefly about these glasses that I got. Um, uh, X-Real Air glasses that, that I bought last week and that I've been using for the past week. So it's, it's a very actually simple idea. Obviously, I'm very excited for the Vision Pro in the future. And I wanted to get a little, a very, very, very little taste of what working with a display in front of my eyes could be. Now, these glasses, they are an extremely simplified version of what a real Vision Pro is going to be. It's not even an approximation of what a Vision Pro will be. These are just glasses that you put on and they project a display in front of your eyes. These are literally USB-C glasses that you can use with any computer or video game console that has a USB-C video out port. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. They just project, and they're actually called like, they are part of this idea of having a private display. And that's what really intrigued me. Um, I've always been, I've always been fighting this battle, Mike knows, um, of me, because I, I go to sleep, I, I sleep less than Sylvia and I, and I fall asleep usually a few hours later than Sylvia does. And I've always been fighting this battle of whatever display I'm currently using in bed, whether it's my iPad or maybe I'm watching something on TV or maybe I'm playing with my Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. I always end up disturbing Sylvia somehow because she's very sensitive to light sources in the bedroom. Yeah, didn't we talk about a neck-mounted iPad thing at some point? We did. We did. And there's also been the portable screen. The lengths this man will go to play video games in bed, uh, they, they are, like, unrivaled. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I could go... So what I've been doing for the past year since we've moved, uh, I can go in the living room and, and play on my big, beautiful TV. But the thing is, sometimes I'm tired and I just don't, and I just, I don't want to get up. Or usually what also happens is I go to the living room and my dogs end up doing the, you know, oh, let me check on you or let me go back to the bedroom. Let me check on you again. Like they don't know where they're supposed to be at night because they're like, well, mom is in, is in bed, but dad is in the living room. So we don't know. We got to check on both. And they start doing this dance and I'm like, and I tell them, go to sleep. And, and they don't understand. So it would be preferable if I could play video games in bed, but I also don't want to bother Sylvia. And so I don't know how I was browsing around. I just came up, uh, came came across this um, idea of well, now there's this new uh, sort of generation of products. There are these glasses. They look like regular regular glasses, just slightly chunkier. And all they do is they accept a USB-C video source and they project a 1080p display per eye in front of your eyes. So that's what they do. They uh, uh, they have two 1080p displays per eye. Uh, the X-Real Air, by default, they have 60 hertz refresh rate. Um, if you do, if you perform the latest software update, you can go up to uh, up to 120. 
So you can use it at 120 hertz. And the update process itself was wild. I plugged my glasses into my MacBook Air and I had to open a web page in Google Chrome and I updated the firmware of the glasses from Google Chrome via the web. I guess it's part of the new USB access um, API that web browsers have. They can just uh, you can just do it from a web page, and that was incredible. It was wild, incredibly convenient. And so for the past week, um, I've been carrying these glasses around. And for example, every Monday I go to Viterbo, and I usually take the iPad with me. Now in Viterbo, I don't have a proper setup, right? Uh, I'm only there for a few hours. I don't have a studio display <laughs> like I do at home. And so I used to carry around a bigger portable monitor with me because, uh, you know, even the big iPad Pro, I would prefer the comfort of a bigger display if, I, if I'm supposed to write or, you know, get some email done for a few hours. Last Monday, um, well, two days ago, <laughs> I, I just brought the glasses with me. So iPad Pro and the glasses. And it was great. Like, I can just, you know, um, turn down the brightness of the iPad Pro so that, you know, I don't see it in the corner of my eye. And the display was bigger and in front of me with the glasses. And it's just, it's a very, 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 very small taste of a Vision Pro experience, but in a much more affordable device that is not a real computer, right? This is just a display. Um, I've been using them to play games as well. Now that's been my favorite part so far. I've I've been playing um, I've been playing Zelda uh, by looking straight up at the ceiling, for example. And let me tell you, it's the best thing ever. Like you just you you are in bed with a controller in your hands just looking at the ceiling, and on the ceiling, there's a 1080p giant Nintendo Switch. It's incredible. Um, I've been using it with the ROG Ally. Um, same deal. It's got USB-C video out. You just plug it in, and it works. Um, I also got to say that I find, and I'm going to upset some people here, the iPadOS way of dealing with external displays to be much more intuitive than whatever macOS does. <laughs> I don't understand the settings for external displays on macOS. I, I, I don't understand w- the difference between main display and extend display. Like with the iPad, you plug it in, you enable stage manager, and that's it. You have two displays. Mm. Like you go from one to the other. On the Mac, like sometimes the dock would be on one display, but not on the other. Like it just, it, it seemed very confusing. Much easier on the iPad. So overall, I would say the, the glasses alone have been perfect for uh, sofa usage. I've also been working from the sofa with this. And for, especially for the bedroom. Sylvia has been sleeping so well. She told me, it's like, hey, you never, uh, did, did you shut off the the TV, and uh, did you not use your iPad these past few nights? And I was like, uh-huh, you see, I used the glasses. And then she looked at me, and, and, and I quote, and I quote, oh, you did the Robocop thing again. Oh. <laughs> so you, you mentioned this on App Stories Plus, yeah. and she, Sylvia was not happy about 
this thing entering the home, correct? She was not. She was not. But I could see. I could see a light in her eyes. No, she could see the light in your eyes. <laughs> when she, but but when she put it together, she was like, "Wait, if he's if he's doing the silly Robocop thing, but it means that I can sleep better, then maybe I'll, like I could see that. Mm, maybe that was a consideration. I don't know. I could what see is that. the picture quality like of? these glasses like how good does it look is text crisp enough like it's crisp enough if you bring the display so here's the parentheses you can buy just the glasses alone and just use the glasses without any other accessory the x-real company they make this external sort of device it's like imagine an ipod with it's got an actual click wheel on top of it but it's also a battery pack it's this USB-C pass-through device called the Beam. And the Beam basically is a little computer that does extra processing if you want to have spatial computing features. Mm. So if you use the glasses, there's n- you cannot resize the display. You cannot move it. It follows you around. So you turn your head. The display is always in front of you. It doesn't there feel are no- very comfortable. It's okay for stationary usage. Um, with the beam in the middle, so it's this very compact device, um, you can choose between three different modes. Uh, you can have the display follow you around, you can leave it in a fixed position, or you can put it in picture-in-picture mode. And on the other side, you can use some of the other built-in x apps, which I haven't uh, tested yet. Um, the special computing works, but it's kind of fiddly to get right. Just because I, I, I'm not a huge fan of how you can resize the, the display uh, diagonally. Uh, it's kinda, kinda, it, it is kind of fiddly. But in addition to display size, the beam also lets you adjust simulated distance. And that's what helps to make text more crisp and legible. So if you make the display, like uh, the optimal distance for me to comfortably read, say, Ivory and catch up on Mastodon or read... Uh, a draft for a Mac Stories article is to make it a virtual 120 inch display about three meters in front uh, away from me. That is an incredible experience. Okay, <laughs> that's very specific. Yeah, that is very cool looking. I have prescription lens um, uh, adapters in mm-hmm. the Xreal Air, so overall it's been going really well so far. But because you know me. And this is a whole new world for me to explore. I am currently waiting delivery for a second pair of glasses. <laughs> These are coming tomorrow. These are coming tomorrow. We'll talk about them next week. These are called the... I don't know how to pronounce the name of this company. Rokid? R-O-K-I-D? Like, it's one word. Rokid? Rokid. Uh, rock, Rokid? Uh, the Rokid Max. These are even more odd-looking glasses, so it'll be fun to see, but uh, uh, but a lot of people on Reddit, so take that with a huge grain of salt, a lot of people on Reddit who are into this scene have commented that they have a bigger field of view, the image quality is better, but most importantly for me, they have built-in diopter adjustments. So each eye has a little, each lens has a little wheel on top of it, and you can adjust uh, based on how bad your eyesight is uh, mm. individually. So you don't need prescription for you these You don't need then. prescription for these things. 
Um, so yeah, I'm keen to try these out, see if the image quality is better than the X-Real. Uh, if not, I will return them. And um, But yeah, so this idea of you don't need to carry around a, a portable monitor with you anymore, or you don't need to bother some someone sleeping next to you. You can just have the display just in, only in front of you. I am sold. I am so sold on this idea. And all of the, this experiment so far is only reinforcing my anticipation for the Vision Pro. Because the Vision Pro is going to be this more bulky for sure. Um, I, I understand that. But also the image quality is going to be way better. I know because I've tried it. Um, and it's just this is just an appetizer if you will, for a few months until I get the real thing. And that's going to be awesome. But it, I wanted to check, hey, are you still excited about this idea of like having a monitor in front of you? Yes. Yes, I am. So, you know, it's like, this is the same with the with me with the MetaQuest Pro though. Like realistically, that helped me contextualize a lot of thinking before I tried the Vision Pro. So then when I went into that experience, I was going in with a specific thought in my mind. Yeah. And so like there is a, a value right now in you and others trying out these kinds of devices as a way of like trying to prepare for what is going to be a really weird set of new things for us to talk about that we've not mm-hmm. spoken about before coming yeah. at some point. So like, when when I was hearing you talk about this and I, I was intrigued and like so I'm intrigued to hear what the other device is like and if you really like it, I, I might give it a go too, just in the sense of like understanding the working in, because that's not a thing that, that we got to try, right? It's like what is it like to use my Mac or whatever it, with in front of my eyes as big as I want? And so that is intriguing to me. So I look forward to a secondary review uh, next week of the Rocket Max. Rocket. Rocket Max. Yes. Rocket Max. These product names are amazing. X-Real. Well, because they were they used to be called N-Real, and I think they renamed it to X-Real because it got, it's got XR in the name oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean x yeah. is a cool letter we we all know this it's a cool letter did you get real. the ar joy pack with your rocket max i did i did not get the joy pack uh but i am intrigued by it um the, the little like uh, extra accessory thing yeah if you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about this week including the product pages for the x real air and other one whose name I've already forgotten. The Rocket Max. Check out the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 471. Those links are also in your podcast player. And a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. The first is the submit feedback link. There you can send us feedback or follow up about this episode or, you know, tell us what's going on in your life. You can also become a member and get Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. Membership also comes with a bunch of cool goodies, including access to the Relay FM members Discord, the best community on the internet, and a newsletter and some membership-only podcasts. A bunch of cool stuff there for Connected Pro members. You can find us all online. You can find Federico's work at maxstories.net, and you can find him on Mastodon as Vitici at maxstories.net. You can find Mike online. He hosts a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. Does amazing work over at Cortex Brand. He is on Mastodon as iMike at Mike.social. You can find my writing at 512pixels.net, and I co-host Mac Power Users here on Relay FM every Sunday. You can follow me 
at ismh at eworld.social on Macedon. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, ZocDoc, and Clean My Mac X. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.